This is Not Another Nux Podcast with your hosts Ajay and Har, brought to you by Loudmouth Brewing. For the best beers and burgers in town, visit Loudmouth Brewing in Abbotsford. Ajay, it's official. The Canucks are finally going to play at home. Yeah, man. Um, I was actually surprised uh, when I saw this uh, come down the pipeline, the fact that Bonnie Henry approved it. I didn't think that she was going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy by that news. I think it's uh, going to be um, a big help for their season. No, absolutely, man. And just the fact that you mentioned this in in the last uh, few episodes where being in a bubble would be so detrimental for the team's output and, and not being able to go home and you know get the proper rest just the fact that they get to play at home be fully rested and you know working as a team properly uh i can really i actually believe that the Canucks have a better chance now in the standings oh yeah i mean i think it can only help the fact that they'll be close to their families i mean just kind of not being in like hotels for like i think i think the plan was going to be like they would be in the bubble for like two weeks and then come home for a week i don't know something like that but that would just be a lot of miles yeah a yeah. lot of travel um and being the fact that they are on the west coast they would be traveling the most out of all the Canadian teams so mm-hmm. yeah no i think this is a huge win and definitely helps them out in terms of kind of equalizing the playing field with the other teams so yeah no, i think it's great but um do you know the details in terms of like how it's going to work with other teams in terms of them coming in and the kind of quarantining themselves from the public are, are they allowed to go out in public from what i read i think i don't think they're allowed to i think they're gonna have like mini bubbles again right um, okay. in each city yeah I- i'm not sure the extent of what the bubbles are gonna be um yeah. but i do know that yeah they're very deterring like outside people partying with them or them connecting with anyone or going out anywhere yeah and another thing that again i haven't looked into this but i know one of the biggest hiccups with bonnie henry initially giving them the no was just in terms of what would happen if one of the players were to test positive for covid um yeah. i think the rule was nhl wanted was that if a player tested positive the rest of the team if they came in close contact wouldn't have to set out a game yeah and i think bonnie henry wanted like anyone that came in close contact would have had to so i'm not sure what the ruling is but whatever it is man i'm, I'm glad that things worked out and that they'll be able to play games at rogers arena that's huge and, and just for the performance alone that's huge but also for the fans like i know how excited everyone is like tinder or sorry not tinder twitter <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that though uh, twitter blew up and, and you know right before that people were so negative as, as how connects twitter usually is yeah but when the announcement was official that the canucks will be playing home games at least to start the season unless an outbreak happens people were very very happy very excited one yeah. thing that i read though was that apparently the bc government asked the nhl to pay out of pocket for a lot of advertisements deterring partying or watching games with many people what are your of thoughts on that oh that's interesting i didn't hear that um <laughs> and did the nhl agree i mean i assume so that's why they got passed I yeah think. that's interesting i mean that's a pretty minor thing i like i'm not sure why the bc government would really kind of put that at the table but i guess it's important to them yeah i don't know like really what to make of that i guess they think that if no one's gonna listen to bonnie a few people will listen to like bohor band <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah so you know that, that's awesome that the Canucks are gonna play at home but that also means a lot of players are making it back, right? Uh, I know Lind it just came back recently. Hoglander's in back. And, and it's funny because I know Faber on Twitter, he was trying to break the fact that, oh, Hoglander's coming back. And when is he going to be back? When is he landing and everything? <laughs> and the way we found out that Hoglander was back was by a, like a Vancouver girl actually matching up with him on Tinder. <laughs> that is that he's awesome. A, he's in a two-kilometer radius. So funny. Yeah. And then people got mad at him because they're 
they're like, oh, he's not social distancing. I'm like, I don't think this app is meant for social distancing. Yeah, but I mean, what do you think, though, just about, like, the players' privacy kind of being put out in public like that? Yeah, that's a little too much. I, I, like, I'm pretty sure that when it comes to those apps, like, when you sign the agreement or whatever, you check the thing, like, I think there's kind of, you're kind of promising not to share that type of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're such a high-profile person, especially how Hoglander would be in Vancouver, um, it just comes with the territory, right? Like, yeah, that's true. If 50 Cent showed up on someone's Tinder, they'd be like, oh my God, 50 Cent, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. I just thought it was just kind of weird that someone would, I guess, post that. But like yeah. you said, you're playing in a hockey um, hotbed and uh, I guess that just kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, no, I thought that was a pretty funny way of <laughs> him announcing his arrival. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of jokes going on about that, but uh, my favorite. I one think was... the I think <laughs> the best tweet though was yours. Uh, I don't know if you want to share that, um, but I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> the one I was like, it's a different type of between the legs goal. <laughs> that, that was so good. That was so. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, I read a few of them out there, and uh, they're pretty good, right? They're. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know what? You know, <laughs> I heard a lot about his hand-eye coordination and everything and his speed, but uh, I'm actually pretty excited that he is back. I'm happy that Tinder was the thing that broke it, but just how having Hoglander back and trials literally start next week man that is crazy, That's crazy. Yeah. it's crazy how fast things have moved the fact that we were just days away from just discussing potential schedules and just in terms of players coming back home and now like they're home for the most part they're all home and the fact that training cap is like less than a week away and this entire um, schedule is I was just kind of looking at that what do you make of that just in terms of like the way that the schedule is laid out with two or three kind of games at once and I know we kind of talked about this last episode but now kind of seeing the schedule set in stone where we open up on 13th 14th with a back-to-back against Edmonton how do you think the season's going to kind of roll out with playing two or three games in one city I I I love it you know just the fact that we're facing just Canadian teams and I know you mentioned this um, a couple episodes ago how we're guaranteed one Canadian team to make the final four that is so exciting and and the fact that you have these mini series that you're talking about and you're facing two or three times against a, a certain team I think that'll just build the rivalry more and more because usually we only see Toronto what, twice in a year right once there once here and yeah. whatnot but the fact that we're going to play them like what 10 times and then from there everyone's going to be measuring okay did we win this time with the best out of five the best out of three like even, yeah, even even out of the entirety the mini series are, are, are going to get people so amped up right so I, I'm happy for that yeah no I agree I think this is uh, going to be a lot of fun it's I think the way that the schedule that like the way that they've kind of done the schedule I think it'll be fun for a year um, mm. but like you said we do enjoy seeing players from other teams come into the city so I'm glad it's only for one year but I think it's going to be a, a ratings galore the man like oh, yeah. everyone's going to be tuned in um, nightly and the fact that like they basically play back to back to back I think there's like a three day break after like a few weeks but it's like their schedule is insane man it's I think there's at most a day break between each game until like I don't know February or March which is insane but you know and, and it's crazy because like immediately uh, as the season starts the trade deadline is literally like a couple months away right and not yeah. even and then the end of the season is going to be like just within four or five months yeah. so it's pretty intense the way things are going to work out like I, I am excited to see how things do pan out um, mm-hmm. the player that I am most excited to see um, coming to camp is going to be Hoglander and also yeah. Nate Schmidt I, yeah. I'm so excited to see what they bring where do you see them plugging Nate kind of early on do you think they load it up and put him with Quinn you know what I would love that um, I don't think they're going to do that right away 
I think that at first, play him with either Edler or maybe even Myers, right? Just to kind of get things organized. Yeah. But the thing is this, I think Edler and Myers work so well together. And I know yeah. this is the thing that Jeff Patterson also uh, mentioned on during the playoffs, how well and how cohesive they work. They just kind of are like the same type of player, but different enough where they cover each other well. I think having Nate Schmidt with Hughes would be amazing. I would love if they do that. Do I think they can do that right away? No, but I think they definitely should right off the bat do that. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh, like, I think that would be pretty amazing to see, but I, I do agree. I think they'll mm-hmm. probably spread it around early on and just kind of see how things unfold. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's only a 56 game schedule, but it's going to seem like a really long season just the way that, like, how condensed everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think they'll kind of load it up. Um, I think they'll want to kind of spread the minutes around and kind of have a bit more of a balanced attack. Uh, I think playoff time, mm-hmm. um, hopefully if we do make it to the playoffs, I think you'll see more of Nate Schmidt paired up with Quinn Hughes, but I think early on, I agree. I think it'll be a lot of kind of mixtures between Edler and Myers early on and just kind of kind of ease them into the system. One question I have for you, uh, just going on this a little further, was do you see Nate Schmidt taking over the number one spot on the power play or would you see them both on the power play on the same unit or would you split it between... uh... Yeah, that's a good question, but I don't see him um, overtaking Quinn Hughes. Yeah, agreed. Um, Right, because like the fact that Nate Schmidt wasn't even the number one defensive option with Vegas Golden Knights, right? And I think Quinn Hughes, if you were to put him on the Vegas Golden Knights, he would be their number one option. So I don't see him overtaking Quinn Hughes. Well, I think Quinn Hughes yeah. is by far the best defenseman we have and the most creative. You know what? Just to go off your point, the NHL website, TSN and Sportsnet, they rated the best defenseman in the North Division. Everyone picked Quinn Hughes. So, you know, you're not wow. the only one that thinks that way. <laughs> That's surprising just given like because anytime you like see those lists and I, I don't put a lot of stock in those lists but anytime you see those lists there's a lot of eastern biases so i thought morgan riley would have been number one but the fact that quinn hughes was near the top that's surprising very much so man with hoglander say uh Bertan comes in and just for some reason isn't able to secure the top six spot yeah um, which is pretty reasonable to expect yeah i mean you know what i am giving him like a brand new chance this year in my own head right yeah um, it's been let down for the last three opening camps right but the thing is this year i i think that he definitely has a chance hopefully he comes with a focus mindset yeah but if he doesn't and we are seeing what we've seen in the past and history repeats itself could you see hoglander cracking the top six uh could i see him be given looks in the in the top six, yes. But do I see him in the top six for like a long time? No. Just because the way that mm-hmm. Green plays his top six, I think he expects, while he expects goals, because like Vertanen did put up 18 goals, which is pretty good for a top six player in this yeah. NHL. But I think he also expects his top six to play well defensively. And if he can't trust you in our own zone, he won't really give you those minutes. And I think that's why uh, you saw so much of Travis Green kind of dogging Vertanen a little bit, just because he just... Yeah. He just wasn't able to trust him. So with Hoglander, while I think he would flourish in a top six role in terms of being able to put up points, I don't know how well he would be defensively to be able to get those minutes from Travis Green, especially early on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like as excited I am with Hoglander and just kind of seeing how he fits with this team, I am a bit reserved because I know how people are, especially in like Connect Twitter. And you know, if a prospect, you know, doesn't start putting up points immediately, I think we've been a bit spoiled with Quinn Hughes and PD just in terms of how they've been able to come in and just kind of immediately make an impact. Um, I 
hope people are able to give Hogrider some room to grow, right? Because he is still very young and it's not the norm for like these young prospects to come in and just immediately start putting up points and be dependable. So while I am cautiously optimistic, I don't know if I completely see him in a top six role right off the bat. What about you? Yeah, I mean, if he's not able to be relied on defensively, there's no way Green gives him a long yeah. look or a chance there, right? But the thing is, I don't want to compare him to Vertanen. I, I feel like they're such drastically different players and types of players. And yeah. and the big knock against Vertanen was just that he didn't really have that drive to do more than what he could. Yeah. And and he never really did what he could, to be honest. He never really drove to the net. His defensive plays were lacking and he just always seemed like out of shape or tired. Yeah. With Hoglander, there is a lot of drive there. Drive is not the issue at all his biggest issue i think might be his size and mm-hmm. i think his defensive prowess is supposed to be pretty decent from one of the last uh, things i've read about his scouting report he does back check well he does chase hard on the puck he likes to ride people out yeah. but the thing is for his size there are some limitations that come with that right so unless he blows everyone away at camp yeah do i see him making it in the top six honestly man if i think he can be relied on defensively absolutely like because right now our top six there's a big big gap right there's a big place just missing for anyone to fill and i don't see anyone else stepping up from the bottom six to take that role yeah like i i do agree but the only thing that i'm like that i think works against hoglander in terms of this season is the fact that there are no preseason games yeah him to kind of like kind of ease into it and just kind of learn the pace of the game yeah. right because it's basically training camp and then it's game mm-hmm. one of the season and the fact that there's only 56 games every game is so important oh yeah right and like it, every game is a division game so it's like a four-point game every night so he doesn't have a lot of room to make mistakes which i think might not work in his wheelhouse and allow him to kind of play his game and kind of tense him up but so i think that's kind of why i'm a bit more cautious than i think you are in terms of how he'll be in the top six especially this season i think i think long term i think he'll definitely be a top six staple but for this season at least for the first half of the season i think he'll have a tough time being able to get a lot of ice time but my thing though is like if he doesn't get top six minutes and playing with those players where do you see him like do you think he'd be able to play on the third line like that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me just the way that we deploy our third line is usually a checking line yeah and the fact that yeah no you you bring up a really good point because even though Horvath's line gets put down in a shutdown line with you know chance opportunities to score and they have that role the shut like the checking line for the third unit he's definitely not going to be in the fourth unit he's, no. he's not, doesn't have the body for it for the third unit i mean you already have mott there right potentially if he's on the fourth line i don't really see who he's going to take out of the equation to be honest right yeah I mean, even they say Justin Bailey and Bertanen show up really well in camp. They're bigger bodies with speed and they can definitely play a role in the third or fourth line just with their yeah. size alone. Yeah. So I think outside the top six, you make a really good point. I don't really think there's a place for him on the team in the bottom six. Yeah, that's the that's the only thing that I'm just unsure about just in terms of how things will kind of shake out. But uh, we'll start getting those answers pretty soon, man, once training yeah. camp um, gears up in a week. And also, man, just looking at the schedule, this season is going to go by so fast. Yeah. There is literally no time for tests or chances or mistakes you know like every game counts literally every game counts after the first four games we have a three game mini series against montreal then three game mini series against ottawa back to back we have to win pretty much almost every game (laughs) to get a top four spot it's gonna be hard to just like throw some test players in there and just hoping for the best no there's there's just no room for any sort of like kind of test games or kind of taking it easy like once the puck drops on january 13th like they gotta get those points right because it's the like it's it's one thing when like 
the season starts and, you know, like it's the first game of the regular season, but those division games throughout like an 82 game schedule are so yeah. crucial. But with this condensed schedule and we're only playing teams in our own division, which means every game is a division game. Yeah. Every game is so important, right? And so like losing two points to your division rival um, night in, night out um, could really put you in a hole that might not be easy to crawl out of. So, oh, yeah. yeah, like I think that's going to be the tough thing for prospects um, to be able to to be able to get minutes in just to kind of get some feelers but yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see how things unfold no actually yeah. you know what it'd be kind of funny if bonnie henry like she was the first person to drop the the puck <laughs> for <laughs> opening night right <laughs> she's the one that almost canned everything but you know uh, like like i think middle of like the whole covid stuff like i think it was like summertime people were saying like oh man when like hockey comes back she has to drop the puck <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny because connect twitter almost ate her alive too online i know i know i don't know Oh, it's funny how fast things change. Speaking yeah. of things changing, we got some new hires in the coaching department. The old piece of the mattress line, <laughs> King and two twins, Jason King. He's been hired as an assistant coach on with Greener. Uh, what are your kind of thoughts with that? I This news kind of came out of left field. I don't know if you had heard of anything, but... Yeah. His name wasn't really being kind of bandied around by anyone on Canucks yeah. Twitter. It, it, it just kind of came out of the blue. And like to be perfectly honest, I never knew that we had him in Utica. Um, <laughs> Me neither. Like, like, I was just like, where did they find him from? Like, mm-hmm. And like looking at his like picture, like I thought he just came from his like accounting job and just, just got a job with, with the Canucks, just the way that he looks now. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, Jason King as a player was a decent player when he was with us. Um, he He's obviously being carried by the twins, but he has been with us for five seasons. He's seen a lot of our prospects that have gone through Utica. So I think he's he's taking over Manny Holtra's position, if I'm correct. I might be wrong about that, but Mm-hmm. With Malta going to Toronto as an assistant coach there, I think he might be coming in as an assistant here. Um, I don't think it's an assistant on the bench. I think it's behind the scenes assistant. Okay. Um, which is what Malta was. But uh, yeah, like I don't know what else to kind of make of it aside from that. What about you? Do you have any thoughts on this? I think we're gonna hire the Sabines as assistant coaches and just bring back that line <laughs> together, right? Um, but honestly though considering he's been in Utica for the last five years and then they brought him up now this kind of shows me that they are might be getting ready for more of a youth movement because if he did have really tight connections with some of the decor say Chad Fialino and and Rafferty and especially Levy and you know any other defensemen that generally take longer to develop right Um, so I feel like he probably has a really long-standing relationship with them and if they are going to be part of the taxi squad they're going to want some familiarity rather than just being bombarded with the whole NHL environment right away yeah. i can totally say seeing him being kind of like a bit of a cushion and being kind of like a, a familiar face <laughs> that right? was a good play on word with <laughs> i didn't think, i don't know if you're gonna catch it <laughs> but anyways another hire that uh, also happened was chris Higgins, mm-hmm. and he got hired on as the skills and development coach right what are you yeah there? So, so like we had him before because like that like him being a part of the Canucks, that I knew. Yeah. So, um, what was he doing before? Do you know? Before he did work with the rookies, he connected with them. Um, he had some sort of job like that. I thought he was already in this role. Yeah, but, that's what I, I but the fact that he's now officially taking over the skills and development coaching stuff for the Canucks, I think that he's just gonna take that aspect away from possibly Yuruka and, and just do that okay. part during the off season, right? I think yeah, it's the same role. Yeah, because like I know that he was working in Utica with like Ryan Johnson and that whole group there but I just wasn't sure if 
his role there was the same, like skills and development. But yeah, like a great player. I think he's a really good communicator. I've like heard him talk a few times on the radio and he comes across really knowledgeable and really great. So yeah. I think they're good hires. It would be nice to kind of see them kind of go outside of the Canucks family and kind of hire players that weren't just former players. But he was a good player and quite respected around the league. So I think yeah. it's a good hire. And- no, I, I agree. Uh, I think apparently it seems like a lot of the prospects and a lot of the, the younger uh, rookies really do look up to him. They really do respect him and, and they do like the connection they have with him. So the fact yeah. that he's coming over also with with the Mattress King, um, I think that it, it really <laughs> does speak to just kind of the youth movement, right? And the direction that they're going because I feel like they might be kind of like a buffer for adjustment for those kids. That's actually a really great point that you brought up because I remember, um, I think it was this past summer when, oh, remind me his name again, that prospect that was, people were saying that he was in with Oh my god, I'm just losing names here. But the who was the scout that we lost to Minnesota? What was the name again? Let me see. Judd Brackett. Judd Brackett, yeah. I can't remember his the name. Was it Rathbone, Danny? Rathbone, yeah. What about him? Right. I think it was him when if he didn't sign by a certain date, he would have been a free agent. And people were worried that he was not going to sign with Vancouver because he had a really tight relationship with Judd. Yeah. Um, but then when he signed, he um when he was doing his radio appearances, he was saying that the work done by Chris Higgins, the relationship that he had with him uh, really helped him kind of sign with the Canucks and kind of feel at ease. So I think people were pretty surprised by that because they thought the only kind of relationship he had was with Judd Brackett. So yeah, like you said, I, like I think he he does have a very underrated relationship with a lot of the prospects. Yeah, it'll only help. Dude, if Rathbone makes the team and ends up being one of our best defensemen, I think just promote Higgins to GM right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just get him that spot, dude. <laughs> Talking about more of our rookies. Yeah. The whole thing about Rathbone that I'm kind of worried about is that everyone is hyping him up through the roof. I have not read one, even just analysis from someone that wasn't just way, way too high. And just an amazing review of the kid. As happy as I am to hear that stuff, I have not seen anything out of this guy from college or or no video, no nothing. Yeah. I'm just going off other people's words. Say he comes and he's not what we expect him to be or not as good as what we want him to be, right? Um, Because he's supposed to be coming this year to Canada. I can just imagine the shitstorm that's going to happen on Twitter at bashing this guy. Yeah, I know. Um, it's probably going to be as bad as what we're seeing with Paul Colson. Um, But like, it kind of like like what you just said before you prefaced that question, you were like, well, like, if he comes in and he's our best defenseman, I'll be so happy. That's how a lot of people are. And like, I'm kind of guilty of that too. I think we tend to rate our prospects a lot higher than what they might really be. Um, and when we have like young promising prospects, we get really amped up and we usually just let ourselves down and then we blame the prospect for not living up to our own expectations yeah i think a lot of these prospects again we've been so spoiled with quinn hughes and pd just immediately coming in and just like wowing us and thinking yeah. that this is how it is we sometimes forget we've had such a long history of horrible prospects that just never panned out in the nhl so we just we we gotta let these guys grow at their own pace develop there is a very strong likelihood that rathbone will come in and not do anything yeah. and that's okay right because like he's a defenseman they grow at a slower rate than forward so yeah i think if he's able to get any sort of minutes this season i think that's a win and i think mm-hmm. that's how people should be approaching it but like what do you expect from him like realistically for this upcoming season do you think he'll get nhl minutes dude honestly from what i'm reading from Har- Harmon dial and, and just like other people other people's reviews i'm not expecting him to be like a star player but i expect him to be not quinn hughes alike but possibly you know better than you levy you know better than rafferty he like 
like he his puck movement his skills his vision and his ability to just outlet and score are, are just phenomenal apparently from what other people are saying i would expect him to even take the number six spot over ulevi i'm not gonna lie wow. um, but that being said do i expect that to happen no man like I, yeah. i'm really measuring my expectations with this kid um, yeah. I love his story though. Like I, I'm rooting for this guy. You know, he's he spent another year, extra year at home, just because uh, he has a brother that really relies on him, a family that relies on him. His brother has special needs, I believe, and mm-hmm. then um, and so it was really hard for him to leave his family and go to college. But after being drafted, um, I remember the Canucks did this little video on his family and just to show the type of person he is and the type of people, the family um, that he comes from. You're definitely rooting for this guy, man. You want him to just be a star, star player. But to be honest, right now in my books. Ulevi is the number one person that I think will take the number six spot and I think that was kind of hinted at when during the playoffs we had Rafferty up we had Chatfield up and Ulevi got the spot to play the one playoff game um, even though it was only five six minutes he still got that he still got that time over any, any of the other guys so yeah. just going off that I think that Ulevi still takes the number six spot over any other person I think they're going to bring someone up I don't think they're going to end up signing any players like Hamannick I just don't think there's any money for that they're really <laughs> trying to promote from within and I think Ali Friedman mentioned that too he said they're really not looking at any more people they're just going to sign from yeah. they're just going to bring from within now and they're at that point in their team's building process that they're just going to bring people up bring people up slowly and have a strong core and a strong foundation of what they're like you know the, the same kind of ideology with the Canucks belief system but that being said though Brathwon even if he makes it as a number seven eight guy that's huge man like that is huge yeah I know like I think if he gets any minutes I think that's a massive win mm-hmm. um and is able to kind of show that he belongs in the NHL yeah um, he's got a fifth rounder too or something right yeah no they've been doing really well with their late picks but i do agree with what friedman was saying that you know i I think i mean to be honest it's it's their own doing that they have to rely on their own depth because they can't go out and sign players um just because they just they just don't have the money but if if this was any other season like any other like regular 82 game season i would have been fine with it but the way that the schedule is so condensed having depth i think is going to set apart um the teams that make the playoffs and the ones that don't i think if connections don't make the playoffs it's going to be because they don't have depth and they ran into injury problems which is a totally conceivable scenario oh yeah there's a game literally every other day yeah so um i wish we could add a little bit more depth on defense just so that you know in case something happens we have that depth but um yeah, I am hopeful that uh, Rathbone gets some minutes, um, but I agree. I think it's going to be Levy's spot to lose because I think they have a lot riding in him and are expecting yeah. for him to come in and play some minutes because he he didn't look out of place during the playoff game. But, not at all. But, he he but, had this one tape-to-tape pass. I was like, damn, that yeah, balls. Yeah, no, no. Um, he looked very confident in that. Uh, but speaking of late-round draft picks and kind of the World Juniors kind of going on right now, what are your thoughts on like what Kosmar has been doing with Sweden? Dude, his first game what a smart player like this guy is such a smart little tenacious crafty guy i was watching him play and you can just see like the his mental smarts in the game and the, how the game flows and where to be they're spot on and, and, yeah. he, and his first game in the first 30 seconds he pops in a, a, this great deflected goal his defenseman passed it over to him or or sorry i think it was his winger and he took it while he was trying to stop and skating on his edges and he just deflected it in with like you know without really even taking a shot and it was just such a smart smart goal and the way he got behind the defense this guy is 
a seventh round pick, man. <laughs> Crazy, I know. Yeah, and and we're already getting this much worth. I'm not saying he's gonna make an NHL player and this and that. Mm-hmm. We never know, right? But the, the fact that we're getting this out of a seventh round player that just gives you so much optimism and so much hope. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And and you are right. It was his defenseman that had passed it to him. Um, but yeah, I know. So like, I'll be honest. I haven't been watching a lot of the games. Uh, we yeah. have potty training going on right now. But um, <laughs> for you or your kid, no. <laughs> I'm not gonna say. Um, but but yeah, though, like from what I've seen on Twitter and stuff, and the way that people have been talking about his game, um, it's been all positive. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited what his future holds, and I really hope that he's able to kind of keep it going uh, for the rest of the world juniors. But one um, prospect that hasn't had the best start, if you were to look off of Connect's Twitter, uh, that would be Paul Cozen. Yeah, um, his game just ended right now with a two nothing loss against the Czechs. Uh, what have you made of his game so far? I know you've been a little bit more positive than what most people have been on Twitter. What are your thoughts? Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is that he reminds me a lot of a young Bo Horvat. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. He's got faster wheels, but just the way he kind of goes after the body, he's like this bull in this little area and he's just knocking people over. His board work is amazing. I remember Horvat's board work while he was playing uh, with the Knights, I believe it was called, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Dude, he was just bowling people around and then he would dangle his way to the goal and just in the crease, in the paint, rough his way through people and get a goal or set up plays, right? And he was heavily reliant defensively and his drive and he was a leader for that team too. Same thing at his age right now, Paul Colson was only like what, like 1928? I think 1919, yeah. 19, like he is the captain. He's relied on in major defensive situations. Just today he was killing off a penalty and he alone got the puck to the opposite side on the check side behind their net. It was a one-on-three and he held the puck there for maybe 10-15 seconds by himself just fighting people off. One-on-three dude and this guy he has deeks he's setting up plays i really do not understand why everyone is so upset just the fact that he hasn't been on the score sheet yet it's only been two games he's such a major part of that team and the way that team is being led it's so unfortunate to see grown-ass adults doing this to a 19 year old um on the world stage relax people like what are your thoughts yeah no i think i kind of echo what you're saying um like, it's one thing to kind of bash someone's game if, you know, they're not doing well or if, or if they're not driving the play. I think while I didn't agree with the amount of criticism that Vertanen was getting when he played for Team Canada, I could see why they were upset because he just wasn't driving the play. He wasn't moving his feet, you know. He's such a big body. He's mm-hmm. got such great wheels when he played for Team Canada. And at that point, he was, I think, 20. So he was a bit older than most of the players. And he just wasn't taking over games um, the way that he should. But if you actually watch Paul Colton's game and the way that he plays, and I kind of watched the last six minutes of the check game like he's definitely driving the play um and yeah. he's doing everything that he could possibly do sometimes during like these world juniors you either run into a really hot goalie or yeah. you just don't have the same amount of skill on your own team and i'm not sure which one is which so far but i don't think his game is the reason why he hasn't put up points i think he's been doing everything he could and i think we as like a canucks community or collector whatever you want to call it we he's a prospect that we should definitely be excited over and and not someone that we should just kind of be nitpicking over the smallest things, you know, like oh, yeah, these like these world juniors are not so much for him to just kind of rack up points, but it's more so for him to kind of show his leadership of being the captain, you know, and just kind of driving the play and just showing his all-around game as opposed to just cherry picking and just getting points that way. So yeah, I kind of do agree. I think I do wish people would just kind of ease up and just kind of watch from like a farther lens and just kind of see how he's really playing as opposed to just kind of looking at the stat sheet and just being like, oh, well, he got 
like no points, no no assists. He sucks. You know, it's just Dude, a very yeah. like it's a very basic way of looking at the game. Yeah, it's such a narrow-minded scope. Even earlier today, we had I think uh, Pratt uh, on Twitter was calling him out for not having a great game. Dude, Podkolzin in okay the first game uh, against USA, they put him in a primarily shutdown role to make sure that the other team, their top players, and the USA has some pretty good yeah. players, man, like really good players. Podkolzin was out there beating people up, bashing people across the boards, and he got he had some cheap hits on that yeah. happened on him as well. Like really dirty plays. Really late hits. Yeah, he still got up and he led by example. And he shut down the players that he needed to, and they won that game. Today, even today, like, he had so many great plays of just deking people out, creating space. His ability to create space is amazing, right? And he's such a smart player. I wish he did shoot a little bit more, but that being said, man, his ability to set up plays is amazing. Like you said, people are going to compare him to PD and Quinn Hughes right away, right? And the fact that they're looking at just at the stat sheet. Dude, the Czech Republic today played an amazing defensive game. They literally brought down the Iron Curtain, man. Like, they... They just, they blocked, I think, over, what, 30 shots, I believe, right? Every time the team tried to come to the neutral zone, it was just a wall. So many of the defensemen stepped up and just destroyed the Russian forwards just with these huge hits, right? And Cam Robinson, just just right now, he just tweeted, quick search of the name, put goals and returns some nervous Canucks fans, except he's been pretty good tonight. Relax, people. You know, like, media personnel telling you to relax. You know, the people that don't really have an agenda are are telling you to relax. He's going to be great. He's showing amazing things. If he was in the Canucks lineup right now, I can guarantee you, just with his defensive prowess alone, he'd be lined up right beside Horvat. Horvat yeah. would be teaching him how to be Horvat 2.0, Russian version, right? Yeah. And just go on from there. And when his goals do start coming, they're going to come in droves, man. They are definitely mm-hmm. going to come in droves. Canucks Twitter, man, so many negative Nancys and people just bitching left, right, and center. People got to relax. Yeah. I agree, man. I think there's just way too many people just looking at, just looking for reasons to complain. Um, I think there's nothing really to complain about the game so far. And, the fact that we got him at the 10th pick is, um, I think, is going to be a steal. Oh, yeah. So, dude, next week, literally in seven days, we have camp starting. Yeah. <laughs> right? That crazy. is crazy. Like, just a week and a half ago, we found out that hockey was coming back. Two days ago, we found out that Canucks will be able to play at home. And now next week, literally camp is starting. They're going to finalize the lineup. And then by 13th, Wednesday, yeah, 13th, 13th yeah. on Wednesday, they're going to play their first game in Edmonton. So, back-to-backs in Edmonton, 13th, 14th, Calgary. And then there's six straight games in Vancouver. I am so excited, dude. Yeah, I know. It should be a lot of fun to watch. I think it's going to be a good season, man. I am cautiously optimistic. I think I um, while we don't have the depth that I wish we would have had yeah. in any other year, I think um, the top six will take a jump, yeah. especially the top line. I think they'll do better than what they did previous years. And I think our def- our top four defense, especially with Schmidt, I think it's going to add a new wrinkle to how we play. Yeah, I know. I can't wait for things to get going. Dude, same. I'm so excited. There's so many questions still to be answered just like you said with our top six our number five and six spot for our for our defense what's actually going to happen so i'm excited to see how things unravel um but we're literally less than two weeks away for all this stuff to get started we'll uh, connect again next week and see how things go perfect sounds good man that's a wrap for episode three i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope you guys are having a safe christmas and new year's and until next week enjoy the music
Vehicle 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 Vehicle